Welcome to today's episode on Life in the Front Office. I'm your host, Jake Hirschman, and very excited for today's guest in Randy Mueller, uh, executive within the NFL uh, for multiple teams across his career path, and really excited to just learn from Randy and his his experiences, not only uh, on, and, on and off the field, but also uh, just throughout those transitions that he's made from whether it's market to market or organization to organization. And Randy's got some really interesting experiences to um, everything from being a general manager of an NFL team to uh, being a part of the AAF and the XFL from a startup standpoint as well uh, and seeing those through. So Randy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks a lot, Jake. Good to be here. Walk us through real quick from a listener perspective, um, you know, one would say, okay, well, you've been a GM for a couple of teams, right? Seahawks, Saints, you know, Dolphins, you've, you've had a, a variety of roles uh, within each organization you've been with. How did you get there? And I've got to say, uh, you, you started off similarly Bill Belichick style in the sense that you played for a smaller school uh, in Linfield College. Right. Yeah. I mean, it even goes back before that, Jake. I grew up in a little logging town in Northern Idaho of 2000 people where there's not been a stoplight in town and there never will be. And I got a job one summer when I was in high school as a ball boy for the Seahawks when I was 17 years old. They were training in nearby Cheney, Washington, Eastern Washington University. And uh, don't ask me how. I think I had a messed up perm haircut and they felt bad for a kid from a little town in Idaho. So they hired me. And uh, I went over to, the, to their training camp and spent five summers all through college. And Lord be known, after I got out of college, they hired me full time. And that was in 1983 when Chuck Knox had come from the Bills to be the head coach of the Seahawks. So um, 15 years later, I was the boss. So I guess the testament is if you keep your mouth shut and make people good, look good around you, eventually you could get to the top because that was not my goal. I did not have a, a GM by age 40 uh, on my checklist of things to accomplish. And I think it's, uh, you know, uh, one of those things where you start at the bottom, work your way up. And like I say, keep your mouth shut. Pretty soon, you know where all the bones are buried. You know how to do all the little jobs. And I think that's probably less as much as anything. There's no really job requirements or restrictions. You just do what needs to be done. And so I was with the Seahawks really for 23 years total. And that's where I grew up in the business on the NFL side. And left there, like you say, to go on with, to be a GM with the Saints and Dolphins and mix in about three years with ESPN, do an analyst work on TV and radio and ended up being a pretty good career. I always say it beats working for a living. So it's been a fun ride. I mean, it, it can't be too bad to get paid to talk and put your <laughs> face on television, right? I mean, yeah. you know, you've got that uh, with not a whole lot of pressure. You just got to make sure you don't say the wrong thing. And then you've got being a GM, you got to make sure you pick the right, right players and, um, you know, don't spend too much. So uh, you've got to keep the owners happy, right? And, and when you think about the two differences in the career type, right, one would say, well, how did you get to be on ESPN, right? How did, how did you get that gig? And obviously it comes with experience, but what was that like? for you from a learning perspective to go into the booth per se or, or on camera and then transition back into the industry? What did you learn? Yeah, it was really a cool experience. And had I not been, uh, you know, early 40s, I may have stayed there forever. But I wanted to work. I wanted to do some more in the NFL. 
So I left there. Uh, obviously, ESPN's a Disney company. It was a great company. Um, from my standpoint, I had just come off being the general manager of the Saints. I was lucky enough to be voted uh, NFL Executive of the Year. So I had a little traction and a little brand that obviously attracted them to me. Um, I spent three years there as a radio, TV, wrote for their uh, website, did a lot of cool things. And really, what it allowed me to do was kind of take a step back from the NFL life, which is all I had ever known as an adult anyway. I could take a step back and look and see how other teams did things. I think one cool thing about working at ESPN was they allowed me to go around to different training camps. So I got to go to the Patriots camp, the Jets camp, the uh, Colts camp, all around and see how other people did it. Because all I had known is how we did it, how my team had done it from a procedure standpoint, really from just a direction of training camp, how they ran their teams. And it allowed me to have a great feel uh, for the other side and, and didn't. I just listened, I took in what they were doing. And then later when I went back into the business uh, at Miami as their GM, we were able to institute some of the things that I saw when I was out in ESPN and around. You'd never get to go to these other camps, obviously, if you're with another team, that wouldn't be a welcome sight. So it allowed me to take advantage of some, some time away from the NFL. And I learned a lot. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, no, no visiting other uh, camps and videotaping. That that definitely <laughs> wouldn't be a a good thing uh, in in the eyes of many. So uh, we all we all know how that works. Um, but you know, when you think about the transition, right? One would say, okay, you're transitioning from the you know in the front office to being outside of the industry, uh, and then back in. And then ultimately you're going from organization to organization, which has different owners, different cultures. Um, like you said, you were with the Seahawks for 23 years. So you're kind of bred in that culture. You, you know, you, you understood uh, again, what, what it took to, you know, do the job, what you had to do, surround yourself with good people. But then when you go from organization to organization, you're dealing with a lot of different personalities. You got to make a good impression right away. You've got to make sure that, you know, those people are, are seeing the same, you know, interest is yourself. How do you go about managing those personalities and those transitions uh, in, you know, a successful way? Yeah, I think there's definitely uh, something to be learned from that. When you transition into three or four different jobs during your lifetime, uh, you can definitely learn from each and take it to the next step and be better the next time around. I think my personality is suited for that. I mean, um, I think people sometimes do things for reactions. I'm not a reactionary guy. So I could find a way to listen. And, and having been um, an employee when the new boss came in, sure helped me when I was that new boss that came in to the next step. So I understood what the employees uh, were worried about. I understood how, why they might be on edge. And I would take that into consideration when I was the boss, uh, just to try to ease their souls and ease their workload and, and make stress easier for them as we transition. Transition is, can be good too, because it's opportunities for, for guys or gals uh, to prove themselves again or at a, at a higher level. So I always looked at the transitions as, hey, change is good. Change isn't for everybody, but if you can withstand it and produce and, and really the, 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 uh, the limelight necessarily, but the spotlight is on you, that's a great opportunity. So change can bring a lot to the table as well. 
Well, and that's on and off the field, right? You just mentioned the off the field piece, but on the field, you know, getting a new coach, new GM, how do you come in knowing that there is, you know, maybe that quarterback that's been there for 10 years or whatever the culture is that, that exists, how do you understand how to either deal with the culture that currently exists or fit, figure out how to mold it to the culture that you want to build? Well, in most cases in the NFL, when you go somewhere new, there's a reason that job was open. So that usually means there wasn't success there in the past. So usually uh, people are ready to listen. They want change. Nobody wants to continue to lose. So they want to listen. They want to, they want to jump on board. So for the most part, um, they're, they're already, their ears are open. But I do think you have to spend a lot of time communicating. There were a lot of days when I would take a new job and even a year or two into it, I would come home and I would think, what did I do today? I didn't accomplish anything. But what I did was I was end up communicating with people all day long. People think being a GM is, is sitting around in a closet picking players. There is nothing further from the truth. You've got to work, you've got to work and manage the whole building every day. You kind of set the tempo every day. It's like a head coach, right? you set the tempo for the whole day. And there are a lot of days where I didn't feel like I accomplished much, but I had a great time communicating and keeping people on the same page and really directing the group because there's none of us that are smarter than any one of us. All of us together make it a lot better. So that was always my mantra is we're going to build consensus no matter what we're doing. And we're going to try to get everybody on the same page because of that. You know, I'd rather have the right guy for us than me be right, if that makes any sense. So we, we made decisions based on the group as a whole. I wanted different opinions. I want different personalities. I want different ways of life to enter into our decisions. And I'll make the decision at the end of the day, but we're going to build a consensus as we get there. And you mentioned, you know, having good people around you. If you can increase the productivity of the people around you that are doing what they're all ultimately really good at, it makes your life a lot easier and, and hopefully the decisions you have to make a little bit easier because a, a you mentioned group consensus, but B, you know, you don't have to do other people's jobs for them. Yeah, there's no doubt. And, and that happens to be my style. I like to manage that way. I'm going to, I want people around me that will give opinions that aren't afraid to express the way they feel. There are some GMs in the league now that just want information to be gathered for them. And then they bring that and then the GM decides what to do with it all. I've never been like that. I wanted experienced people that are really good at their job uh, sitting next to me, whether it was in football or PR or, or the training room, the equipment room. I want experienced guys that get it. I just feel like that conversation can make us all better for a longer period of time, the more you can add to it. So that was always a big thing of mine was, um, I, don't, I clearly am not the smartest guy in the room, nor do I ever aspire to be. I want the people around me to be the smarter, smarter the better. And you were also walking into somewhat of an oiled machine, right? Well-oiled machine, to some extent, wherever you went, right? You said, you said sometimes those jobs are open for a reason. But, you know, as a whole, right, you're walking into a, a franchise and organization that's been built on a brand, et cetera. Um, and then you take, you know, your experiences uh, that you've had over your, your career, and you go and you, you, you go experience something totally different from, from the start. Uh, the AAF, which was the American Alliance of Football, and then ultimately the XFL. And can you talk a little bit about those two experiences and, and just what they were like and, and how your, uh, your experiences, you know, transitioned either well or, or, or ultimately not well into those? 
Well, after 35 years in the NFL, that's really all I had to draw from. When I decided to do the AAF deal, which I was the GM in Salt Lake, and then later in Houston in the XFL, all I have was that 35 years in the NFL. So it was really different. It's a total different deal. I think um, building two teams from scratch over the last 18 months is way overrated. Trust me. But you just don't have the resources. You get it's a, it's a serving of humble pie because in the NFL, you have unlimited data. You have unlimited finance. You have unlimited people power. You have the best in the world to do what you do. In these spring leagues, it's been fun, but it's been way back. It's, it's been a big step back in that you're really building teams from your kitchen table, so to speak completely different. It was more like um, to draw a comparison with the draft this year in the NFL, the way that came across as guys at home with papers and, and computers sitting on their kitchen. That, that's the way you could look at the XFL or the AAF. You don't, you don't have access to all the unlimited resources you have in the NFL. So they got a little dose of XFL action in the, in the NFL draft this past uh, spring. What could you take from those two experiences to pass on to others, right? Uh, in the sense of, you know, look, if there's a, if XFL comes back or if there's just another startup of some sort uh, in the future, which I'm sure, you know, there's something, right? There, there's always something brewing in the water. Um, what advice do you have to pass along from things that you learned uh, in comparison to your experiences in the NFL? Well, I think the first thing is people, if, if I was a young kid or a, uh, an older guy, the, the big time is where you're at. So wherever you are, whether it's the XFL, the AAF, or the NFL, that's really the big time. And that's the way you should go about your job every day. You, you shouldn't aspire to use that to jump to something else. Just do your job as good as you can at that level and someone will notice. There's an example every day of that happening. So that for me was good. Um, obviously the connections you have outside that building uh, obviously the people you work with inside the building, that's what makes you go no matter what level you're at, at least for me in my business. And when you think about, you know, those that are on the field, right? They're in a sense, they're the ones that are grinding to try and get to the next level, right? So kind of almost the opposite. But how do you motivate the team again to kind of do what you just said about about if you're in the office, right? How do you get the team to do the same the same thing on the field and have that same mentality? Well, we're all competitors at heart. So we all are paid to do a job. We all want to win. So no matter the level you're at, you want to win as many games as you can. And I preach that to the support staff as well, whether it's the, the like I say, the equipment guys, the trainers, the PR staff, anybody involved, analytics, they all get judged in our work on game day. So everything we do should have a slant toward preparing our players and being there for our coaches and doing everything they can in their department to make us successful really on Sundays or Saturdays or whatever game day is. So you've got to find a way to do that. And that should be your barometer. Everybody should want to win. The guy doing analytics or the guy in the training room, they should want to win just as bad as me or the quarterback or the coach. It's all the same. And you get enough people grinding in the same direction. That's when it gets fun. That's when the uh, the heartache, the tears, everything that comes with winning and the, the competitive part of our game, that's when it's fun. We're, we're lucky. In most worlds, in most business worlds, you don't get a chance to be judged like that. You don't get to win or lose. 
That's the part that I like the most, no matter what league I've been in, is the competitive part of it. We get a chance to be judged and to actually go win a game. And it, it, there's no, there's no uh, uh, gray area. It, it's either a win or a loss. And that's kind of, it's, it's harsh, but it's also a fun way to live. Well, with, with, it comes with a lot of pressure too, right? So either, you know, for some, it can make or break careers, um, depending on what, what stage they're in, you know, only on the field, but off the field too. Um, and in the front office, you know, if you're, you know, you've been a GM for two or three years and, and that next year is kind of your make or break year. Um, talk a little bit about how you handle the pressure. Uh, knowing that, you know, it's it's not for everyone. Uh, it's not easy, uh, but there's certainly lessons to be learned from it. And then uh, the second piece we'll get to in a minute, but kind of just uh, that transition piece of, of when the pressure uh, builds and, and, you know, maybe you don't have the best season and, and you got to go find a new opportunity, kind of how you go about that. But but let's touch on the on the pressure piece first. How do you handle the pressure? Well, the pressure part for me, uh, I've kind of been around pressure my whole life. I was a quarterback in college. I've I've been around the NFL forever, so the pressure part uh, is exciting for me. I'm one of those guys that really don't feel the pressure, and I'm kind of an even keel personality guy. I think that helps, so you don't have the drastic highs and lows that this business can drive us all to. Sure, maybe internally, but I think some do a better job of of curtaining that and, and, and finding a way to you, you set the pace in your own building along with the head coach. So I think the ups and downs and the craziness this league or the leagues do nowadays, uh, if you can minimize that and have an even keel across every day, I think that's a plus. And I've always prided myself in that. So the pressure's there. You feel it. I think you feel it really a lot when, when the media drives it. I was lucky enough to be in Seattle and New Orleans, first off, where the media wasn't as driven to tear you down, maybe so uh, as they were like in a Miami, which is a little more of an East Coast and we all know the media is different on the East Coast. Um, that's a little bit of a different pressure cooker because of that. But I also would find ways to not put myself in front of that either, because you really can't listen to the outside world. You have your own mindset on what you want to do. And I think that helps with dealing with pressure as well. Did you learn anything from the media side after you were at ESPN too, as well? Uh, kind of how to handle you know, what was just being thrown around and talked about? Yeah, I think what I learned was um, when I was with the media is that you really don't know most of the times. You don't know all the things that go into making a decision. So I was obviously more tolerant of, of teams, of, of GMs, of coaches' decisions, knowing that they know more than the rest of us. So um, we've got to trust that they, they're good at their job and have more information than we do. A lot of times when it comes down to NFL draft, you hear a lot of criticism of media people on why this team did that, why that team did that. Most of the time, the media doesn't know the medical report. They don't know the character report. They don't know the behind the scenes interview process and how it went with a particular player that led them to believe and have him on the board where they had him. So you don't really have a full picture. So you've got to be cognizant of that and tolerant of that where just because it doesn't go the way you want as a media member doesn't mean they're they're wrong and that you're right. There's probably some truth in between there somewhere. Sure. Well, and and when you think about again decisions that are being made, whether it's 
um, you know, whether you still have a job or whether you have to cut a player, right? You know, everyone's kind of seen the, the hard knocks on HBO and, and more or less the conversations that have to happen and that sort of thing. But, you know, when you think back to your experiences, um, what were some of the things that you learned from either A, being fired or B, you know, going from one job to the next and, and how to ultimately either transition or bounce back? Well, I think you always, and again, this is just my opinion, others may feel differently about it, but I think you always have to take the high road no matter what. Whether you leave a job on your own terms or you leave on somebody else's terms, I, I've never been one to burn any bridge. I always want to leave on a good note because it's a small world, right? You never know when you're going to face or be back with the same group that you had just left from. So there's no, in my, at least my experience was I didn't have any ugly divorces. They were all amicable. I understood why things had to change. Um, I understood. I didn't have necessarily have to agree with why, but I understood. I understood the business. And so from that standpoint, again, it's more personality based. Everybody does it a little different. Um, I was one that I kind of knew when things were going good and when things weren't. I don't think anything caught me off guard to where the reaction was, wow, that's kind of crazy. Maybe one time when I left New Orleans and I was only in New Orleans a couple of years, I was a little taken back because I had been offered a contract the week before and it was a long-term deal, but that's how crazy things can turn. You just never know in the world of pro sports, how one week you can be offered a long-term extension and the next, next week they want you to resign. So that's how crazy it is. Yeah, and, and same thing for, you know, on the field as well, right? Having to make those decisions with players, you know, if one gets hurt or, or just whatever the case might be, maybe there's an off-the-field issue. Um, what are some things that people on the business side can learn from how you have to go about that on the player side from, from a roster standpoint and, and just dealing with those types of personalities um, and what's at stake? Well, I think there's a lot for all of us to gain from communicating, for one thing. I always like to communicate with the business side. And even if they didn't have any stake in what we're doing, they're part of it. And they may, there may be somebody on that side, whether it's a team president or a CEO or somebody on the non-football side, might have a comment or an angle that makes me think different. Um, what did they say? There's something I don't know, the knowing of which changes everything. So that's a pretty good way to live by, I think. So I always like to listen to that. I don't expect that, that I know everything. And so I want it. I want input from those on the outside, as long as it's within reason, uh, because they want to win too, right? So the more comments, the more discussion that would spark. And I think that's, again, good getting us all on the same direction and in the same way. We're all in this work from home phase, which is, which has certainly been an interesting one. Um, you know, when, when, especially in, in the player side where you're so used to having that communication face to face with players and, and there's emotions and not saying that doesn't happen on the business side, but obviously um, the, the two are different. I mean, for, for the player side and how you can um, bet, better communicate or more effectively communicate uh, in this situation of, of work from home or, you know, someone's training in, in, in a different area and you're not allowed or whatever the case might be, what suggestions might you have for that? Well, it's definitely an extra step or two that has to be taken to try to get back to those times. I mean, I, I, I hope I don't mess it up by talking about the current events of today with Cam Newton making a deal with New England, right? And I'm thinking as a GM, this would have been a great day. I would have loved to have been in the locker room to hear what our players had to say about that. 
because I think the biggest critics of a GM or a head coach, guess what, are the guys in that locker room and the guys in your own building. They're the biggest critics. Really, they're the only ones I care about. I want to make – and they know. Players know who the players are. Believe me or not, the coaches know who the players are. So the decisions you make as a GM, I want to be able to walk around and communicate with those guys and build some consensus and then feel them when something like this happens. This is a big day, you know, or would be a big day in New England when, a, when an announcement like this came out. I would want to know what the locker room vibe is. You don't have that now. So I really don't know how you get that vibe in this day and age. I mean, yeah, you can have a Zoom call with a few players or coaches or whatever, but I don't, I don't think you can feel it like you normally do. So I think these GMs, these head coaches, they really have it tough uh, and can't wait till they can see face-to-face and eye-to-eye the rest of their group. So much of football and pro sports is a family and team togetherness and unity. That's something that's missing in this day and age. And I think everybody's got to find a way uh, to try to communicate still as close to normal as they can. Yeah, you make, up a, you make a great point in, in the sense of the challenge that it it uh, it does escalate, right? And and as we wrap up the episode, uh, A, thank you for your time and, and certainly appreciate the advice and insights. But if you could go back to when you were uh, – if I correct me if I'm wrong, but you were division division two NAIA national champion uh, quarterback, you know, going back to that success and, and just your days in college uh, playing, you know, would you think that you're a, you're in this position now? And then if you could go back and tell yourself something uh, that you wish you would have known, what would it be? <laughs> well, that's a good question. You're going back a ways, Jake. Um, you know, obviously we all, view our rear view mirror with fondness for the most part, at least the successful periods of that. Um, I was lucky enough to play on a really good college team and happened to be the quarterback. Um, there were better players on the team, um, but together we played better than probably more talented teams that we had. So the lesson we learned was it's not necessarily the best team. It's the team that plays best together. So that was a big thing. And I don't think I even realized it back then. But the further you get away from that, the more you realize what made that team as good as it was. The quarterback gets way too much credit, probably gets a lot of the blame as well, and that was the position I was in. But having done that and experienced that, it did help me going through the NFL channels and jobs that I had and and all the things in the NFL that I learned. I do think um, it brought me closer to my teammates, and that helped me throughout my career as an adult. but, it, it, you know, it's hard to say what you learn and what you don't learn. Um, you'd like to think you did it right more than wrong. But I do know that it's more about the people, the older you get, especially that you surround yourself with. And you go back and some of the best friends I have are still in that college team or my high school team or whatever. So it doesn't get better. I think our memory might fade a little bit, but uh, those are still fun times. Well, regardless, you still got to drive the, you know, the team down the field and, and get the ball into the end zone. So, um, Randy, can't thank you enough for your time today. Really appreciate it. And I have to say, just extreme humbleness uh, from, from you on the other side of this Zoom call and, and you know, really just uh, can see, you know, how those who, who would have worked with you uh, throughout your entire career, um, I'm sure, are better off. So, uh, appreciate the time and, and insights and certainly look forward to having you on again in the future. Thanks a lot, Jake. Anytime. I've enjoyed it.